good evening. Welcome to North Gainesville Baptist Church. Please stand and take your hymnal and to, turn to 214. 214. We're going to sing the first and last verse. First and last verse of number 214. My wonderful Lord. meditate on that all day long, couldn't you? Think about how God has blessed you, how wonderful he is, how he's helped you, saved you, sanctified you, someday will glorify you, blessed you with so many spiritual blessings. Oh, how wonderful he is. That's what I'm to be focusing on. Not the problems and politics of the world that would just get you down. Focus on Jesus. How better, how much better it will be in life if we do those things. Lord, we thank you that you are wonderful. Dear Father, we thank you for all the blessings you bestowed upon us, all the wonderful gifts, especially, of course, salvation. We're so rich and so free. Thank you, Lord, for helping us, encouraging us. Thank you for, Lord, the, the growth that we can have in Christ Jesus. If we live in obedience, if we walk in, in the light as you're in the light, God, we can grow in you daily. We can leave behind the things that cause us to stumble, to fall, uh, to be divided and discouraged. Lord, we can grow in you, walk in you, and then share others, share with others what you've done in our life, how good that is. Lord, I pray you just continue to bless. Thank you for speaking through to us through your word this morning. I pray, Lord, as we hear your word, preach, God, that you would give us ears to hear, Lord, and you would help us to grow in each of us in areas where we need to grow. God, challenge us. Uh, help us, Lord. We need you. Without you, we have nothing Without you, we could do nothing. So we ask for your presence and your power this, this evening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to have you here on the Sunday night. Hope you're doing well. I'm here to tell you the promises of, of God is still true. Uh, we will not be in a worldwide flood yet. Though it's been raining and raining and raining. <laughs> I think someone said, I think my aunt wife said you only have like an a inch and a half or inch and a quarter or something like that. A lot less than I thought it was going to be. Probably get a little more. But uh, what, 28 hours of rain. Kind of interesting for this, this, this time of year. 
But it's good, and thank you, thank you. I don't have to run the sprinkler, so praise God for that. But we thankful for the promises of God, amen? All right, well, don't forget, men, don't forget the, the men's breakfast tomorrow uh, morning at 9 a.m. But we can join us for that. It's always a good fellowship. Uh, of course, our Wednesday night service at 7 p.m., Pee Wee and Patch at 7 p.m., uh, the teens at 7 p.m. This coming Wednesday, hope you'll join us as we're going through Nehemiah now. Uh, last week was our first week in Nehemiah, so we're working through that book. Hope you can join us for that. Of course, our Bible study uh, coming up uh, this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. as well as we're finishing up the book called The Tender Warrior. Wonderful book. Men's Retreat, the night is the last night to sign up, to register. Men, if you'd like to go to that, I think we got five or six guys, maybe seven guys total, uh, going to that already signed up. But if you'd like to go, uh, you can register tonight. Tomorrow is too late. Tomorrow, uh, the lady said, 9 o'clock, I'm going to go get the food. So register by 8, or it'll be too late. So I hope if you want to go, let us know. There's a sign up there in the back. If you'd like to go to that, we will have visitation coming up March 2nd. March 2nd, 10 a.m. to 12, as we invite folks to church. And on the 3rd, we have Brother Bruce, Bruce Humbert. Evangelist Bruce Humbert was a pastor. Now he is an evangelist, and he's been here before. And a godly man, great brother in Christ. He'll be preaching that morning, of course, that evening. That evening, though, we're going to have the Calvary Quartet. They're going to do have a pre-service meaning they're going to start singing at 545, so we encourage you to come early that day. There'll be no choir practice that day, choir. No choir practice that day. Uh, we'll cancel choir practice. We'll have, they'll be singing at 545, so we invite you to come early and enjoy the singing because they won't be here Sunday morning, but they will be here Sunday night. We'll have a pre-service at 545, and they'll sing, of course, a few numbers during the, the evening service before they have to leave after the service that night, but that service will continue on. But in between that, we will have our international potluck meal. There's a sign-up sheet there in the back, and basically just bring the dish to where you're from. Wherever you're from, bring the food from where you're from, and that will be a great fellowship, and looking forward to that. That will be the beginning of our missions conference, Faith Promise. Uh, we'll be folk talking about that. Uh, if you don't know what that is, those of you who are new, uh, we'll be sharing, explaining what that is and what we do to reach the world through Faith Promise. Uh, to try to raise money by the grace of God to support missionaries. Some of you are new to that, and we encourage you to jump on board so we can raise uh, money to help more missionaries, support more missionaries. And we'll explain, we'll explain all that in the coming weeks. Ladies, uh, March the 8th, Phoebe's uh, Ladies Tea and Testimony come up at 6.30. And also, as I mentioned this morning, as a reminder, there in the back is a church directory. If you're new, this, if you're new, you haven't been here in the last two years. Two years ago, we did a directory. If you're new... I encourage you to go back, put your information on there, your name, address, telephone number, email, best way to contact you, and, and, and we'll be working on that for the next month or two. In March, we'll have a couple times, we'll take pictures, we'll let you know what days those are, and hopefully in April, get all that information together, put it up in a directory and give you one. Right now, we're totally out of directories, so if anybody even joined the church, I couldn't give them a directory, uh, unless we just printed an old one out, but we're working on those things and trying to get that out soon. Brother Keith. Stand again and take your hymnal and turn to 66. Number 66, I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. We'll sing all three verses.
take your hymnals and turn to 228. 228, he hideth my soul. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse of number 228. Dear lady, it's going to be a great day to meet old Fanny Crosby. Well, she couldn't see down here, but she can see now. I can't wait to see her, but more importantly, I can't wait to see Jesus. Brother Ruel, would you pray for our tithes and offerings? Amen. You may be seated.
Amen. Thank you, Miss Robin. Take your Bibles, if you would, this evening and turn to Joshua chapter 3 tonight. Joshua chapter 3 is we're working our way through the book of Joshua. Hope it's been encouragement to you. Hope you are reading through your scriptures, reading the Bible daily, studying the word, hiding it in your heart, meditating on it. Hope it's helping you, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Maybe you've already read through Joshua. Many of you probably already have. I'm reading the Bible chronologically right now. I'm in the book of, well, I'm in the book of Kings, Chronicles, Joel. I'm going all over the place. As if those of you who've read the Bible chronologically, you know what that's like. But uh, I've done it before. I thought I would do it again. But I love to read God's Word in different ways. And I think it's a challenge to do that. I encourage you to do that, something like that as well. Joshua chapter 3 tonight. Joshua chapter 3. And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. It came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. They commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. And there shall be a space between you and it. By 2,000 cubits by measure, come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you may go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant, pass over before the people. They took up the ark of the covenant, went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests to bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby we, ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from you before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. And therefore, now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and, shall, and it shall come to pass as soon as all the souls of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the water of the Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from the tents and passed over Jordan, the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they, as they that bear the ark were come upon Jordan, the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan that overfloweth, all the banks, all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from, from above stood and rose up upon the heap very far from the city of Adam, which is, which is beside Zeratan. And those that came down towards the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people passed clean over Jordan. Gracious Father, what a wondrous event. 
Oh, how, how wonderful it would be to see that, what you did, and it's a marvelous way. And how wonderful it is how you work miracles in our own lives. Thank you, God, that you are still working miracles. Oh, maybe not this, the crossing of the Jordan, but folks being saved and baptized and added to the church. People uh, being forgive, forgiving one another and forsaking sin. Oh, God, we see great miracles in our midst all the time. Help us to believe and trust in you. We thank you, Lord, for the grace that you provide, Lord, and help us to learn these lessons from these lives of men like Joshua and those priests and those Israelites who crossed over by faith. Help us by faith to, Lord, get our feet wet. Help us by faith to trust you, to believe, to go forward, not go back, not to stand still, not to live in in fear or cowardice, but to trust you with all our heart and do exactly what your will is for us individually and as a church show us your way lord so we can please you with our lives i pray in jesus name amen so joshua is seen as we've talked about joshua in several different ways several different scenes in his life of course he's been a slave a servant a soldier a spy a successor and all of us goes through different seasons of life all of us at one time were slaves weren't we we're all slaves We're all slaves to the world. They was a slave in Egypt, and all of us spiritually were slaves in in Egypt. The struggle is sometimes in leaving leaving Egypt, which is a picture of the world, and not wanting to go back into the world, as I talked about this morning. To live differently, our lives be different, our lives be transformed in every area of our life. Not just on Sunday, Sunday night, when we see everybody, because it's easy to come in on church and dress up, smile at everybody, and say, how do you do? Say, how do you do to you? But how do you act when you're at home? Oh, that's a different thing, isn't it? Oh, that's a different thing. How do you actually act at home? And how do you actually have to work at, at work when they're playing that old filthy music and you're going rah, 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 all the time and you're like, whoo, I can't take this anymore. Give me some old amazing grace. And hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. Oh, I wish I had that. A little bit different when the boss comes to you with a pile of things you like this and you know you can only do that, but you're expected to do that. Oh, there's a whole lot different. When life changes, you may go from slave now to servant, soldier, spy, but now successor, ruler. A successor to Moses, his responsibility now is to lead them into the promised land. 500 years earlier, of course, this was given in the covenant to Abraham, which is found, as we mentioned, and gone through Genesis chapter 12, interesting here. In the, in the, actually, in the, in the book of Joshua, this land that they're possessed, this land that's promised to them, uh, going back to Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis, is mentioned oh, no less than 87 times. In Deuteronomy, it's actually listed two, 200 times and 50 times the word possess. It was God's will for them to possess the land. Because of their disobedience, they did not possess the land already. They should have went in 40 years before. Now they remember, 40 years of wandering. And that can happen in the spiritual life. We talked about this morning. If you don't obey the light that God gives you, you will wander over and around and around and around and around and around and around until finally you get the fact and you keep hitting your head against the wall. I actually need to obey God. And you do that and you get to cross over into Jordan. And you get victory in the Christian life. You're not failing and failing and failing and failing because you say, I want to be delivered from sin, but I really love my sin. I really want to be delivered from sin, but I really love my sin. And you, in that fight, that battle goes on in your life until you choose, okay, I'm going to go forward in the Christian life. 
And thank God that we do. The nation of Israel was involved in four key locations in the Old Testament. Of course, Egypt, the place of bondage. The wilderness, the place depicted the believers who live in unbelief, doubt, and disobedience, who do not enter into the rest of the riches of the inheritance of Jesus Christ. Of course, the land of Canaan, the promised land, and Babylon, the place of chastisement, where ultimately they will be in. So Canaan represents the life of believer, the life of the believer as, as, as it is because it's a place of spiritual conflict and victory, faith and obedience, spiritual riches and rest. Now, oftentimes our hymn writers, God bless their souls, they don't always get the theology right. Crossing into Canaan land is not heaven, okay? <laughs> we're crossing the Canaan land. In the Canaan land, what did they do in the Canaan land? Did they have rest when they went into Canaan land? No, they fought and fought and fought. Canaan land is a picture of the spiritual life. We don't want to go into Canaan land. We're in Canaan land right now. There's wars, there's victories, and there's defeat, and there's failures and discouragements, as you see in Joshua, as you see in Judges. There's times of great victory, and there's times of great failure. And all of us have experienced that to some degree or not, right? And those around us, you see that in their lives as well. So what's the difference, what's the difference between the Red Sea and the Jordan River? Well, the Red Sea is a picture of deliverance from bondage of sin. The Jordan River is a picture of believers claiming their inheritance in Jesus Christ. The Red Sea is a picture of salvation. The Jordan River is a picture of sanctification. Remember, sanctification comes after salvation or justification. And the Red Sea signifies deliverance from sin. The Jordan River signifies dedication to the Lord. In the Red Sea, people are going out. In the Jordan River, people are going in. In the Red Sea, Israel did not fight. God did it all. But in the Jordan River, Israel was involved in battle. They conquered their enemies through God's help. And through the Red Sea, no threat from the Egyptian enemy. After their crossing, they were secure. And it, we are eternally secure. Amen? But the Jordan River, the threat lied ahead from the internal enemies. Sin leads to defeat. So we're not, we're not going over the Jordan River to get into the glory land of heaven. It's actually a better picture of being delivered from Egypt, crossing over the Red Sea, and ultimately to victory. We find every day through living through him. The theme of Joshua is as it is in Hebrews and Ephesians. Ephesians and Hebrews associate rest with conflict. But even, because even in conflict, there's times of rest, rest for our souls, and God gives us as we're obedience for him. But Hebrews was written to believers to go onward in spiritual maturity, not backward in unbelief, and we're to go forward in faith. We're to cross that Jordan River to, to greater heights, to, to, to spiritual victory in the life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, Whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You see, unbelief says, let's get back to where it's safe. Faith says, let's go forward where God is working. Unbelief says, I can't. It's too hard. It doesn't work. It's stupid. It's wrong. <laughs> but faith says, I can do all things through Christ. Unbelief says, I wish I had obeyed, trusted, believed God. Faith will say, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. By the grace of God, I am what I am. May I ask you this evening, are you living your life in faith or unbelief? Are you living in victory tonight or are you living in failure? Well, you only you know, or those close around you know, which one are you? 
Faith obeys in spite of the consequences. No matter what happens. We see through Hebrews chapter 11, that that hall of faith, it demonstrates that living faith leads to action. As James says, faith without works is dead. So we, what, we, what do we need? We need to cross over that Jordan. We need to live by faith. We need to get our feet wet. And quit living in fear. Quit, quit wondering what so-and-so's doing. Comparing our spiritual lives to those around us. And by the grace of God, trust God, live for God, and go on for God. That's where we need to go. So first of all, tonight we see the preparation of the people. The preparation of people, of people, verses 1 and 2. Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they moved from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they passed over. The trip from Shittim to Jordan was about 10 miles. They camped for three days, preparing themselves to cross over. Preparation is key to success in so many areas of life. I like where it says, Joshua rose up early in the morning. That's a good thing. That's a good sign. I know a preacher who said one time, you can tell a whole lot about a person, how they get up, how you walk, and how you talk. I, I found that true. How you get up, how you walk, and how you talk. Do you, do you, did it take you forever to get up out of that bed? Uh, how late did you stay up last night watching that stuff you probably shouldn't have been looking at anyways? Uh, when you actually got up, did you actually do something? Or did it take you about 1 o'clock to figure out what you're actually going to do? You might want to think about that the day before. You know, it's a good thing to think about what you're going to do the next day, the night before. It's a night before. How about get your clothes out the night before? We always told our kids, hey, get your stuff out, prepare the night before. So that you're not spending, some of you folks, 45 minutes to an hour trying to figure out what you're actually going to wear. Hey, get up get the night before, get prepared, and be ready for the next day. And that's also in life. Are you prepared for the next day in, the, in your life? Oh, we need to be prepared. Psalm 61, 63, verse 1. A Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of, of Judah. Oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there no water is. Isaiah 26, verse 9. With my soul have I desired it in thy sight. Yea, with my spirit within me. I seek thee early when thy judgments are on the earth. Inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. I learned this last week, the 18th century, in 18th century Wales, a young man named William Williams. Never heard of him. But William Williams graduated from university with a doctorate, but quickly changed his profession, became a physician, not of the body, but of the soul. He became a pastor. He was warned about the fanatics as, as Wesley and Whitfield, who was going around preaching, decided to be a fanatic for the Lord too, just to live for Jesus. And he preached the word of God for 40 Three years, traveled 95,000 miles, not in a Subaru. No, no, no. <laughs> no Subarus back then. Though I wish he, I bet he wished he had a Subaru. No, <laughs> on walking in a horseback and preach regularly crowd up to over 10,000 people. Once he had the opportunity to preach to an estimated crowd of 80,000 people. There he wrote in his journal, God strengthened me to speak so loud that most could hear. Pastor Williams is best remembered, though, for one of the hymns he wrote, which ended up being about 800, for the hymns he wrote, which ended up being over 800 songs. This man followed God's guidance through the songs of winter, the rains of spring, the heat of summer. He was beaten by mobs once, by, once within an inch of his life, cheered by crowds. But in all his adventures and travels, he, the compelling desire was to do God's will through it all. And he penned that wonderful song, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. 
pilgrim through this barren land. I am weak, but thou art mighty. Hold me with thou powerful hand. Oh, how wonderful it is to be a Christian. How wonderful it is to be God's child. We need some more William Williams, don't we? To be willing to, to serve God, to say yes to God, to, to proclaim God's word, whether you be a, a physician of the body or a physician of the soul, whatever profession, whatever occupation you are in, to proclaim and live for Christ. Oh, we need more people to be like that. There's a pressure, preparation of the people, but secondly, the, pre, the proclamation of the officers. The proclamation of the officers in verses 3 and 4. The proclamation involved two things. Involved two things. First of all, the shadow of the ark in verse 3 as we see it. He commanded the people saying, you see the ark of the covenant the, of the Lord your God, the priest of Levi's bearing it, and they shall remove from your place and they go after it. But not only the shadow of the ark in verse 3, the space between the ark. Interesting, it, was, it says there's about 200 cubits between them and the people in the ark, which is about 3,000 feet. This led over half a mile. But why the space? Why was there a space between the ark and the people? Well, two reasons, I believe. First, the ark of the covenant was holy. It represented the presence and power of God. And we didn't want to be too close. Now, we'll read about in Judges and other places where people actually touched the ark of God. Remember that? In Raiders of the Ark, Lost Ark? You guys awake, right? <laughs> no, in the Bible. Remember that guy who touched the ark when the, when the, when the cart stumbled and he touched it and he died? <laughs> Man, it was a holy thing. It was a precious thing. It was a powerful thing. You just didn't go up there and touch it. That's why, we, 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 that's why even here in this church, we call this a sanctuary. We, 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 we don't eat. We don't get our pizza out and eat in here, right? We, we, don't, we, don't get our, we don't get our food and drinks out here because this is a special place. We try to treat it as a special place. You know, it, it is a special place. It's a holy place. It's a wonderful place. And so this... It, 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 this ark, it was two by two by four, the foot chest. It was mentioned less, no less than ten times here in chapter three. It contained three things. Remember from Sunday school, the word of God, Aaron's rod that budded, resurre resurrection, and a pot of manna, which is the bread of life. God's people were to focus on God's word, the resurrection, the bread of life. Of course, what does that represent? All three things. Of course, Jesus Christ. Where was the ark in the camp? Where was the ark? It was in the center of the camp. And where is, should Jesus Christ be? In the center of our life. That's where he should be, right? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking at Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. Revelation chapter 1, and verse 11, he's saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, what thou seest, write in the book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and Smyrna, and Pergamos, and Thyatira, unto Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Interesting to know, Alpha, of course, is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last. But in the Hebrew language, which would read Alpha, the first letter, and, and Tav, the last, the truth of Christ being the first and last, the author and finisher is seen throughout the scripture. The chapter, this chapter, the ark goes into the Jordan first. And, and, and as it goes across, the priest stood in the ark in the center of the Jordan. The truth is here. If we're going to cross Jordans, our trials, our tests, and obedience, Christ needs to be the center of our life. Dear friend, you're not going to go through troubles. You're not going to go through trials. You're not going to go through difficulties on your own. It's only going to be with Christ going with you, helping you, 
encouraging you. He's with you through it all. As we read in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 and 17, for by him were all, create, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, for he is before all things, and by him all things consist. The Jewish scholars believe the combination of the Alpha and the Tav together allude to the truth, the completion and perfection which is found only in Christ Jesus. God's creation, creation was not perfect, but only perfect, but it was complete. And ye are complete in him. The Bible tells us, tells us in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10, which is the head of all principality and power. And so glad we are. We don't need more, as we talked about this verse several weeks ago. We don't need to do more in the Christian life than what we have in him already. We are totally complete. The, 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 the Gnostics of the, of the day, as we, as we recall in the Colossian church, uh, trying to discourage the people in the Colossian church, said, no, you need to be circumcised if you want to be what you should be. Or you should get caught up in legalism, do all these to-do lists. And a lot of times people, even churches, get into the to-do list. And if you don't do the to-do list, you're the outside crowd, you're the, not the inside crowd. They talked about pseudo-intellectual things and false humility, if you remember those messages. But dear friends, I can do all things through Christ with strength of me, not in me, but through Christ. So we see the preparation of the people, the proclamation of the offers. But third, this, this evening, the promise of the prominence. The Ark of the Covenant was taken before the people. God promised to magnify Joshua in the eyes of almost, at this time, three Million Jews. God honors the Christian that honors him. As we see these verses in 6 and, six and 7, it says, Joshua spake in the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass over the people, and they shall look, took up the Ark of the Covenant, and went before the people. God was doing a great work in their life. And dear friend, let me say, God is with us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to help us. We read about his relationship with us in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things you have. Oh, what a wonderful verse. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. Nor forsake thee. Do you realize to the degree you're willing to be used of God is to the degree you will sense his presence? May I say that again? To the degree you'll be willing to be used of God is to the degree that you will see and sense his presence. But to the degree you're not willing to do his will, is to the degree you will not sense his presence. Moses wanted to sense the presence of God. What did he do? He spent 40 days with, with God. You want, to spend, you, want, you want to sense his presence? Dear friend, you've got to spend time with God. There's no way to get outside of getting in God's word to, to, know the, to understand the presence and the power of God. That's why it has to be a daily thing. That's why you have to meditate in it. That's why you have to dwell in it. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, as we learned this morning. Paul spent time with the Lord in Arabia, and his life showed a difference. Number five, we see the priest's responsibilities in verse eight. In verse eight. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you're come in the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. These priests were to stand still in the water. The leadership had to demonstrate faith. These men of God were to demonstrate faith. Faith of a parent will be the example to the rest of the family. Dear parent, you can't expect your kids to be any greater spiritually than you are yourself right now. What's well, a sobering thought, isn't it? You want your, you want your, you want your kids to be greatly, greatly used of God? Are you willing to be greatly used of God? Really, we want our kids to excel us. 
But they can't, they probably will be any more than what we are now. Could your kid look at an area of your life and say, well, Dad, you're doing that, so why should I live the Christian life? You're just a hypocrite. Oh. Well, that makes you think about things, doesn't it? That makes you think about things. Well, maybe there's areas in life we would should, should be more closer to God and change things in our life so the kid can't say, I'm being hypocrite because I'm trying to live like Christ. Like Christ. You want to have a great faith? You, you have to choose to have great faith. John chapter 13, verse 15, For I give you an example that you should do as I have done unto you. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be an example of believers. How? In word. In our conversation. How do we speak? How do you want your kids to speak? How do you want people to follow you to speak? Well, how do you speak? If you speak in a rough, wicked, bad way, do you expect your children to be different than you? You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You don't do this whole, hey, uh, do, what, do what I say, not what I do. You know what that is? That's, that, that fails every time, parents. That's, that's a sure way to produce rebels right there. Do what I say, but not what I do. That's, that's how you produce rebels. No, do what, I, do, what I, do what I do, what I do, you do. In conversation, that's your lifestyle. In charity, that's your love. In spirit, in faith, in purity. How we live, we should encourage our kids to live in the same way. Six, we see the preaching, or fifth, we see the preaching of the people in verses 9 through 11. And the Joshua said to the children of Israel, come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua, hereby shall you know the living God is among you, that all he will, will fail, without fail will drive out before you all these ites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Havarites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Ammonites, and Jebusites. What was he saying to the people here in verses 9 through 11? Well, he tell them to pay attention, to listen. Listen, be attentive to God's word. Because if we're not listening, if we're not hearing, we're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not taking it in, how can we change? And we see the presence of the Lord in verse 10 in the program of the enemies. Seven enemies are listed here. Seven is a number of completion, spiritual perfection, or maturity. If you want to mature, to be complete, conquer the enemies of your soul. What, are they, what could they be? Well, could they be bitterness? Could they be greed? Could they be hate? Could they be anger? Could they be covetousness? Could they be jealousy? Could they be envy? Could they be strife? Could they be lust? Could they be selfishness, discouragement, and doubt? What is the enemy of your soul? What are you, what are you struggling in now? Well, they're there to drive these things out. And you'll notice this as we go through Joshua, they never did drive them all out. And dear friends, sometimes in the, I see... <laughs> In the Christian life, some folks never get over that. Uh -oh, whether it be one of those things I mentioned, they never get over greed. They never get over, they never get over jealousy. They never get over hate. They never get over laziness. They never get over bitterness. That thing plagues them to the day they die. The day they put, put them in six feet. They, that, that's how they were the whole, the whole time. Now, at the funeral, nobody will say those bad things because it's not appropriate. But we're all thinking it. Isn't that right? Well, that's right. But dear friend, that's why those areas that we life that we talked about this morning, we talk about tonight, we ought to know those things, confess those things, abhor those things, and then ask God to, for grace, that we grace to, to get through those things and then be accountable to those in our life to help us. God wants us to get victory in those areas, those enemies that seek to destroy us, seek to discouragement. 
Are you willing, are you willing to do something about that? See, unless we get through those things and get past those things, we can never truly, fully, fully be used of God to the degree you get, you get past those areas in our life to the degree we can be more fully used of God. Oh, dear friend, to the degree we're willing to do this is to, is to the degree we'll see his power. To the degree we won't do those things, we will not see his power. Jesus called many to follow, but many rejected him. Think about the difference in their lives. Those who followed them, they got to see the, the leper cleansed. They got to see the water turn to wine. They got to see that guy come through the roof when the, when the house was crowded because Jesus was teaching. And they came through the came, those four friends, got to see God do a miracle. And that friend who could not walk, but dear friend, they had the faith to believe and trust, and they got to see it. Oh, dear friends, a lot of people don't get to see the miraculous, what God can do, because they're afraid and stand back and say, in disbelief, it will never happen. I cannot do it. We cannot go forward. Don't tell people about Jesus. Don't witness to the lost. You'll never see the miracle of seeing someone get saved. Don't tithe. Keep your money in your pocket. And you'll never see God make provision for you when you think it's impossible for you to make that bill, to make that gas bill, that light bill, that car bill. But you knew you're supposed to tithe and you did it by faith. You said, no, I'm going to keep that money in my pocket. You'll never see the God, the Jehovah Jireh, who will provide for you in a perfect way beyond what you can think or even imagine. He'll provide for you if you'll believe and trust him. Oh, dear friend. Don't forgive somebody. Just keep bitter. Get bitter at somebody. Just stay bitter at somebody until the day you croak. And you'll never be forgiven yourself. You'll never sense and know the true riches of what it means to be forgiven if you yourself will not, out of love and care and the mercy of God, forgive other people. Oh, dear friend, how can we, how can we be willing to, to not do something when God wants us to do it? Oh, we see this, this desire that God has us for us in our life to go on in the grace of God. We see this prophetic prediction in verse 13. Look at it. It says, It came to pass as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, all, all of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan. The, the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters shall come down from above and they shall stand, stand upon, upon a heap. This was God, they predicted, they believed this was going to happen. They, they trusted that God was going to happen. They believed it possible. And dear friend, faith is not what you can see, because if you could see it, it's not faith, right? We have faith that God is going to help us. We have faith that we can trust him. We have faith of, in the rapture of the church. We have the faith that he's going to protect us. And these folks had faith to believe that God is going to do exactly what he said he was going to do in his word. And we need to have that same type of faith. When the priest touched the water, the Jordan will be cut off from the water source and stand upon a heap. It'll be cut off to stop the flow. It'll be cut off above the water sources as the rain and the snow melt. In a heap, the expression of the height. This indicates the water, the hill of the water, stacking up vertically. God wants Joshua to get his feet wet because God knows that's exactly what they need to do. Number eight, the passage across the Jordan, verses 14 through 17. Courage and faith. We're now put to the test. They actually, though they've told, been told what to do, they've been, they, they've been, they, they, they know what they're supposed to do, then they're actually got to do it. And that's, when it. that's when the rubber meets the road. When you actually got to say, okay, now we've got to cross the river. God said, I'm going to be with you. 
I'm going to magnify you, Joshua. Just like, I'm, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And you're to go across the Jordan River. Now, after God's told you what to do, explaining what you're supposed to do, instructing you what to do, and you've instructed others what to do, now you actually have to do it. And that's where it comes down to it, isn't it? In the Christian life, that's where it comes down to. What am I going to do? Well, they're going to have to go across the river. This, this Jordan River actually means descender. Interesting to note, this river drops 1,000 feet as it goes from the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel. Remember now, the, the, whole, the whole place of Israel is only about the size of New Jersey. So it's not that big a place. So towards the north and, and the Sea of Galilee, down to this ri river Jordan, it drops about 1,000 feet. Interesting enough, the Jordan, during the, the flood stage, the river's current speed increases 10 miles per hour. Normally, Jordan is about 100 feet wide, but during the floods in the spring, when the snow melts from Mount Lebanon, the river swells to close to one mile in width. So, from just 100 feet wide to one mile. Quite a difference. In the spring, when the snow melts here, it does that. So, God sometimes asks us to do what's most difficult. And this was that time of year. Not the small time. Well, it's only 100 feet. It was during the springtime when the snow had melted. Now they're going to have to do something greater than they would have at a different time. And sometimes God's asked us to do those things, to do what we cannot do, to go beyond what we even think or imagine. But God has still asked us to do it. And we're, what are we doing in the midst of us? As they know, we'll know, they're getting ready to cross over into enemy land. And being in the middle of the river, that would have been the exact time when the enemy could have come and fought against them and destroy them because they were in an awkward position. They had to trust God. And so was me. So should we trust God, even though the situation looks difficult, although the circumstance seems like it's impossible, that we cannot go forward. We have to trust God and trust God and his word and believe by faith and obeying him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Most of the new generation have not seen the, the Red Sea parting. They don't even heard about what's happened in the past. And you know what? That's what happens with our youth sometimes. We can say by faith, God did this. But you know what? Every generation needs to see God work. The older generation, oh, thank God for them and what they did in the past. And they can tell us what happened and how God worked. But dear friend, until you and I personally see God work, We'll never be different. We must call on God, ask God to do mighty works in our life. Not just in our forefathers' life, or, the, or, or even those before us, but in our lives. And that's why we need to tell our kids, you must have a personal relationship with God. So God will do great works in their life. See, our kids need to see answers to prayer in their life. Yes, they need to see answers and prayers in our life. That's why we need to teach them to pray, how to pray, when to pray, what to pray. Pray for things. Ask God. <laughs> Man, even the small things. Oh, pray for that test the next day. Pray for that science project. Oh, man, I remember those science projects, kids growing up. My wife remembers those things, too. Pray everything. It doesn't rain the next day, so you have to take the science project in on a rainy day. Remember those parents <laughs> getting, driving up there real close, getting the whole project in just right? Doing all those little things you have to do. Why not asking you, encouraging your kids to pray? Hey, let's pray, pray about that science test that you have tomorrow that you don't think you can pass. 
You say that's important? Yeah, dear friend, because if we're praying for their science test, they'll be, how about next step? How about praying where they're going to go to school? How about praying for a husband? How about praying for a home? How about praying for an occupation? How about praying for a life? But it starts with the small things. Praying for the health of your family members. But it's, it starts small. So everything, everything here, here has a purpose. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. It came as past as predicted. The timing was exact. The event took place when the river was at flood stage. The wall of water was held in place for many hours so the last two million people could cross the riverbed. It stopped as we looked at in the city of Adam. Interesting name. About 15 miles north of where they were crossing to the Dead Sea about 10 miles south and the tributaries were, tributaries were cut off. And where did they cross on? They cross on wet ground? No. Just like in the Red Sea, how do they cross on? They crossed on dry ground. God made provision. He did pass what they can imagine. Not just, not, just sand, not, just, not just wet ground on dry ground. There was no muck, no mire, nothing to get bogged down in. God was providing for them all the way, just like he said he would. What's the lesson to be learned here? Well, the Jews rejected Joshua's message the first time. Went to claim the land, remember? Ten were bad, two were good. Let's go to the land, let's go to the land, let's go to the land. No, let's not go, let's not go, let's not go. Now the second time he says we're going to go. They didn't reject his message, they went into the promised land. Same thing, Christ was rejected the first time he came, his message was rejected. The second time the Lord's return, he'll be accepted by his people and magnified. God wants us to get our spiritual feet wet. He wants us to go forward. God will perform great things in our life. Oh, things will discourage us. People, even sometimes your friends and family will oppose you. But dear friend, let me tell you, do what the Lord wants you to do. What is your Jordan you need to cross? What is your Jordan you need to cross? It's too big. Hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. Don't go in the springtime. It's too large. Hey, how about go, go, go in the wintertime? When it's, no, God told me to go now. That, that don't make sense. Dear friend, if you, if you go by what you can think, hear, smell, understand, you won't be doing God's will. God's spiritual direction, it goes past what, what we can understand, what we can comprehend, what we can think, hear, smell, touch. It goes past that. God wants to show, will do great and mighty things through you. Will you trust him even, doesn't, even though it doesn't make sense? Even though it's not logical? Even though all your friends and family says don't do it? If it's God's way, if you know it's God's way, backed up by God's word. I'm not talking about doing something contrary to God's word. No way, no how. I'm talking about backed up by God's word and living by faith and trusting him all the way. Do it. Do it. Well, I wonder what people say about me if I did. What do you think of the saying about Joshua? He's a crazy man. He's going to go across this Jordan in the springtime when it's a mile long. Doesn't make any sense to me. You have naysayers. Naysayers. Are you a bridge builder? Are you saying, no, you can't do it? No, you can't go that far. You know, it's, it's impossible. Well, do you trust God to believe across that Jordan? 1897, a bishop was at a small Bible college, staying in a home of a president. 
he's expressed with firm conviction, the Bible predicting that nothing new could be, nothing ever could be uh, new invented. I don't know where this bishop got that. But the, the president of the small Bible college disagreed and said, I believe in 50 years that men will be able to fly just like birds. <laughs> the bishop was shocked. He rebuked the, the college president and said, flight is only for the angels. I beg you not to repeat your suggestion lest you be guilty of blasphemy. Interesting enough, the bishop was, was visiting Milton Wright. Milton Wright. That last name ring a bell to you? The father of Orville and Wilbur Wright who made their first flight in an air machine 30 years later in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. The machine was a forerunner to many planes in our skies today. Despite father's skepticism, they went on to make great discoveries. You'll never fly. Flight is only for the angels, only for the birds. Yeah, right. You'll never live for Jesus. You'll never, you'll never be faithful for God. You can never be faithful in your giving. You'll never be faithful in your witnessing. You can't be pure. You can't be right. You can't live for God in this generation. You can't. You can't. You can't. How long are you going to listen to that lie? How long are you going to listen to that lie? Or are you going to trust God and cross over the Jordan? The fear of man is a snare. Your greatest enemy is the world, your flesh, and the devil. Forsake them and live for Jesus. Cross Jordan. Not 10 years from now. Today. 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 Cross Jordan and live for God. Father, we thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the example of Joshua and these priests and these folks who crossed over into Canaan land. Oh, what battles, what, what trials, what difficulties they would have. But it had to begin by crossing over into that land that was promised to them. Oh, what a wonderful place that we will someday dwell in ourselves. And King Jesus will be on the throne of Jerusalem for a thousand years. And we get to reign and, reign and rule with him. Oh, how this predicted way back even then. Oh, God, help us in our lives to go forward. To not sit in the seat of skepticism and doubt and fear and worry and, and, and care what others think. But simply believing in your word, trusting in your promises, and knowing by faith what your spirit tells us to do. Help us to go forward and do your, do your will no matter what, who, what say, who says what to us. Help us to live by faith and not by sight. Oh, dear friend, as you're here tonight, do you know Christ is your Savior? Have you crossed from Egypt land through the Jordan River? Have you, have you made that decision? You're tired of living in Egypt. You're tired of living like a slave. You're tired of being enslaved to sin. Oh, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Oh, all the wages of sin is death, dear friend. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can be saved tonight. If you're here tonight, you don't know Christ as your Savior. Dear friend, if you have any doubt, if you prayed that prayer at five years old, but you're doubting now at 55 or 85, why not just put those doubts away and just make, make a decision? I'm tired of the doubts. I'm tired of the worries. I'm going to get saved today. And I don't care what anybody thinks. 
I don't care what anybody thinks. Well, you might be a deacon. You, you, might, you, might, be, you might be well known in the church, choir member, choir director, whoever you might be. But I need to get saved tonight. I'm tired of fighting these doubts. I need to get saved tonight. Oh, dear friend, how about saying no to your pride and yes to Jesus and get saved tonight? Oh, wonderful thing it'd be if you just get saved. Those fears and doubts would go away. If you're not here, if you're here tonight, you don't, you know, you don't know about your salvation, would you, would you get saved tonight? But how about you, dear friend, you're saved. You said, I need to go forward in my Christian life. I'm tired of wandering in the wilderness. I'm tired of doubt and fear and skepticism. I'm tired of listening to those around me saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I shouldn't. I need to go forward. I need to go forward in my Christian life. And by the grace of God, tonight I'm choosing to go forward. By the grace of God, preacher, would you pray for me? Anybody like that tonight? I need to go forward in some areas of my life. Would you pray for me? I'm going, I'm going on. I'm pressing on. I'm not staying back. I'm not wondering. I'm not staying back because somebody wants me to stay back. I'm going forward. Wife, go forward even though your husband stays back. Husband, go forward even though your wife keeps you back. Friend, go forward even your friends keep you back. Go forward for Jesus. Cross that stormy bank and do it for Christ no matter what they may say. For you and God make a majority. Live for him, no matter what they may say. Preacher, I need to live for God tonight. I need to serve him. Let's stand to our feet. You need to make a, a decision tonight. The altar's open. You're here tonight, you're not saved. Would you just walk down the aisle? It don't matter what people think, don't matter what people say. Everybody in this room will rejoice. Even if people think you've been saved for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, don't make a difference. Would all those years think people think you're saved, would all that matter if you died and went to hell? For in hell, you said, I've been saved for 50, 60 years. That's what I think, but I'm not sure I'm saved tonight. Well, dear friend, do you want to risk that and go to hell? I wouldn't risk that. You know what that is? That's spiritual pride. Humble yourself, and then God will lift you up. Get saved tonight. If you hear you're struggling, there's nothing wrong with admitting it. We all fall down. It's not how many times you fall down, Fred. It's how many times you get back up. Are you willing to make a decision and go forward? As the music plays, make that decision for Christ tonight. Cross over to Jordan. Live for him. Make a decision. Friends keeping you? Family keeping you? What's keeping you from going on for Jesus? Promises, people, oh, how we need to live for Him. May nothing keep us from going forward. What will you decide? Stay where you're at or go on across. All of us will stand before that old judgment seat of Christ and be accountable for our actions tonight.
Thank you for the message tonight, Lord. Just help us to take that and apply it to our lives, Lord. Lord, sometimes you give us challenges that uh, that we can't overcome by ourselves, Lord. The, the Jordan River was flood and flooded, and uh, I think for a very particular reason, Lord, so that when the Israelites did cross, that they couldn't say that they did it on their own accord, but so that they could uh, look back and say that this is only through God, Lord. And we have those challenges in our life. Just help us to uh, trust in you to get us through those challenges and not rely on ourselves, not rely on our own self-will, Lord. Lord, just uh, take us home safely tonight, bring, bring us back safely the next appointed time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.